Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. You know, I don't much go for moral victories. I really, really, really don't believe in that shit, but I will take one. The one exception that I will take in terms of moral victories is the fact that after the Birds debacle in D.C. yesterday or wherever the hell the football team plays, I don't really know right now, nor do I give a shit, I will take the moral victory of the fact that I did not go full-blown Patrick Bateman on somebody's ass after watching the tale of two halves that we got yesterday afternoon. So uh, plenty of time to delve into that detail by detail and, and get reaction and things of that nature. First and foremost, let's set the table. Welcome to episode 20, the Brian Dawkins edition, the Weapon X edition, the GOAT. Uh, I wish it would be on a more positive note because Dawkins is my favorite eagle of all time. But nonetheless, episode 20 of the Grease Paul podcast is where we are. You can follow along on Instagram at Grease Paul podcast as always for Analysis, reaction, opinions, mostly drunk ones on game day, things of that nature. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, every episode previously is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as this one and new ones when they drop every Monday or whatever day it ends up planning out the way my life has gone the last couple of weeks. So there is that. Now, your boy showed up today, just a disaster, reeking of menthols. I've got, I got a Starbucks, what was a Starbucks cold brew that is now like the equivalent of sewage water. It, it looks like shit. It's not even cold anymore, but we're, we're just putting the pieces together today of what was, uh, what was dropped in our laps 24 hours ago. So there's that free, plot, uh, free product placement. I don't think Starbucks really gives a shit about this podcast, but, you know, investors could be you. So... There you have it. Now, if if you're somebody, if if you're a diehard, yesterday, it's Christmas morning. It's the first Sunday of football season, man. It's it's awesome. You wake up. You've got the next four or five months, hopefully six ahead if your team makes a run. It's awesome. It's the best time of year. You know what I mean? And you wake up, and it's it's amazing. So your boy woke up sober Saturday night, non-consumption, intentionally because I knew it was likely to tie one on yesterday because even outcome out the window, Washington-Philly always ends up being an interesting game, and it's been that way week one the last couple of years. So knew it was going to be back and forth one way or another. So you wake up, you got your pregame rituals. If you're like me, you do what you got to do. You start tipping them back, yada, yada. You're getting in the zone, Right. So 11.30, an hour and a half before the, uh, the 1 o'clock kickoffs is when the, the final injury reports come out, the team's put out their inactive list, so on and so forth. Now, mind you, Brandon Brooks, torn ACL, all-pro guard, Andre Dillard, second-year left tackle, torn biceps, both done for the year. They gave Jason Peters his money. He's over there at left tackle again. 
props to him, did not get called for one false start yesterday. Correction, I will take two moral victories because that's fucking something for him. But the inactive reports come out 1130. You'd seen kind of earlier in the morning, okay, Lane Johnson's going to try and play. He's going to try and go. Now, you already knew Miles Sanders was going to be out. Lane Johnson's going to try and go. Okay, awesome. 11.30 comes out. His name's on the inactive list. Fucking hell. And right then and there, I'm like, oh, Christ, man. If we don't have it, if we don't at least have Lane Johnson, again, that, that the Washington defensive front, you know, Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, all those guys, John Bostic up the middle, they can do some fucking damage. So this now officially became a full-blown matchup nightmare without Lane Johnson. Okay. Well, let, let's, let's see. I feel way less good about it, but let's see. So now, week one, your starter's on the, uh, on the right side of the line. Right guard, you've got Nate Herbig. Okay, 2019 undrafted free agent out of Stanford. He starts at right guard. Right tackle in the place of Lane Johnson, you've got Jack Driscoll, who's a rookie fourth rounder out of Auburn, was picked back in April in the fourth round. So that's what you got on the right side of the line. Less than ideal, right? So, and as this thing's kind of getting going, and a nod to Justin and I's pod at Gear Freaks, you can follow along at Grease, uh, excuse me, this is Grease Pole Podcast on Instagram, at Gear Freaks Pod on Instagram and Twitter. New episodes every Tuesday. Join Justin and I as we talk about gear, all teams' uniforms across all things sports. Join us. It's awesome. My first thought was I fucking hate the Eagles white on whites. I hate when we wear these. I fucking hate them. If you're going to go, you got to go with the, right, the white road gears, obviously. But for the love of God, wear green pants with them. I hate those white on whites. They're fucking awful. Anyway. Now to the actual game. <clears throat> Washington gets the ball first. Defense is stout early. You got Brandon Graham, who takes uh, Antonio Gibson, the rookie, down for a loss on second down. Malik Jackson, his presence was huge early on. He pressures Dwayne Haskins on third down. The football team goes three and out. Boom. Okay, you like what you see. Bird's first drive. You got Wentz to Goddard on a crossing route. Precision, first play of the game. You like to see it. Carson hits Deshaun Jackson for a second consecutive first down. Boston Scott, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, breaks a tackle for a loss. Gains five yards. Okay, we got something. Now here you got, <coughs> and you knew it was coming. Now here comes the pressure on second down. John Bostic up the middle, completely undiagnosed. You knew it was coming. Offsides, earns the bird of first down. Dallas Goddard involved often a lot here early. Love to see it. A little bit of a, one of my notes I put was Ertz controversy, question mark, because Dallas Goddard was involved so heavily into this first drive, it was good to see. It was good to see. But wait, Wentz hits Zach Ertz for a touchdown. Six plays, 62 yards. Wentz goes five for, excuse me, four for five for 52 yards and a touchdown on the opening drive. I really liked the involvement of Dallas Goddard again, and and we touched on it on the past, and I'm sure the episode will Ertz versus Goddard will come up again. I like Goddard's physicality over Zach Ertz's game overall collectively. I do, and it's no disrespect to Zach Ertz, but Jesus Christ, you see what Dallas Goddard can do. 
Huge part in that first drive. The birds are up 7 nothing. So Malik Jackson on the Bird's second drive. He makes his presence felt early again. Stop on third down. They bring out Tressway to punt. Pins the Birds deep back on the four-yard line for their second drive. Ryan Kerrigan starts showing up now. And again, this is, this is a theme. You're going to see this. Sacks Carson. He busts a screen pass on second down. Here we go. But Carson Wentz then hits Jalen Rager for 55 yards on third and 22. Fuck yeah. You love seeing that Jalen Rager speed. Again, now, that would eventually be his only catch of the day. But you see what he can bring to the table. Again, I've said for the last couple of weeks, as it stands right now, I'm convinced Jalen Rager is the best wide receiver on this roster right now. Not even close. And he's a rookie. I think that says a lot about the where <laughs> the wide receiver room is for the Eagles. But you see what he brings to the table. You see why the bird, why Howie Roseman opted for him at 21st overall pick over Justin Jefferson and guys like that. That's what you get out of Jalen Rager. Chase Young strips at Carson Wentz on third down. Jason Kelsey, thank Christ, recovers the fumble. Jake Elliott hits a 38-yarder. It's 10-0 birds. Now, again, despite the scoreboard, you see the problem that the Washington D-line is causing for Carson Wentz already. Already it's evident. And that we had said that that was going to be the matchup. Anybody, <coughs> any any football fan knows it's you win and lose games in the trenches. Bottom line, you can already see the inexperience up front for the birds coming through or not coming through against what is a stout Washington defensive front. The defense continues to bring it on Washington's uh, third drive. They pressure Haskins on first. The secondary comes through on second and third down. You bring out Tressway again for Washington to punt the ball away. And you love to see the defense take, uh, take advantage of a lesser offense, right? You love to see it because the defense so far is what's making this game a game. Again, 10 nothing on the scoreboard, but the defense is playing lights out to this point. Three sacks is egregious for one possession, so you've got to come out the next drive and you got to take the heat off Carson Wentz. Run heavy. Take a little heat off him. It's okay. Run the ball a little bit. Quick screen pass to Greg Ward for no gain on first down. Boston Scott makes an appearance, gains two yards. Third and eight, Carson audibles and hits uh, Greg Ward on a crossing route for a first down. Wentz has gone 9 of 11 for 123 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter. Entering the second corner, the birds are up, still 10 nothing. So you get to the second quarter, Montez Sweat with a sack on Carson Wentz. We're up to four now, early in the second quarter. Four sacks. That's a lot for a game. We're talking barely over 15 minutes here, people. We're already up to four. Too fucking many. It's the first time we see Cam Johnson today, who's fucking huge for a punter. Every time, I know know who our punter is. I know Cam Johnson. Every time he comes out there, I think, Jesus Christ almighty, that guy. He's huge for a punter. Love him. So, at this point, I'm starting to think, like, okay, if, if, if we're going to have such a pass-heavy game plan, why not Why not line up Dallas Goddard as a blocker to chip Ryan Kerrigan? Something. You run, You have these two tight ends. Ertz isn't really that into He's not the George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard type that's going to get his hands dirty. Dallas Goddard is. You could throw him out there, he'll block. He's more than willing to. Put him out there. It's something. Help these guys out. Jack Driscoll, Nate Herbig, give them a hand. Do everything you can to protect Carson. Point blank. 
<clears throat> John Hightower drops a wide open pass. He's getting the dropsies. Troy Apke gets called for a helmet-to-helmet contact, so it's a first down. Wentz to Ward, he moves the chains. Carson drops a beauty into the hands of Dallas Goddard for a 34-yard touchdown to make it 17-0 Eagles after a Jake Elliott extra point. Again, you love to see it. The scoreboard right now looks good. You got a three-score lead. But somehow it feels just it, – it, 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 do, it doesn't feel right. Just seeing Carson's kind of uncomfortable a little bit. He's done the best he could so far given the circumstances in my opinion. So a 17-0 lead for the Birds as the Skins get the ball back, or excuse me, the football team. Darius Slay locks down Terry McLaurin. Uh, J.D. McKissick gets buried in the back uh, backfield for a, for a loss by Avante Maddox. Washington gains nothing, and it's another punt. Again, the play of the defense at this point cannot be emphasized enough so far. So we get the ball back under two minutes with a chance to put our feet on Washington's throat. Carson Wentz comes out and he throws a pick on an out route to Jalen Rager. Here we go. So, again, you have a chance to drive down and even get you even even get you a field goal, make it twenty to nothing, maybe. There goes that turnover. You can't turn the ball over. And again, <clears throat> Wentz is a guy through his career that interception numbers are not terribly high. So I'm not panicking yet. It just comes at it. There's never a good, a good time to turn the ball over. When you're trying to drive down and you're trying to keep the momentum in your favor, this comes at a bad time, right before halftime. Those are, they say it in hockey, the goals, if 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 a team gets a goal within the first minute coming out of intermission or in the last minute before intermission, it can swing a game. That's kind of what the equivalent of this is here, throwing a pick under two minutes left in the half. Lo and behold, uh, Dwayne Haskins hits uh, Logan Thomas wide the fuck open for a touchdown. So now it's 17-7 birds. And, uh, it, you know, again, that's the score at halftime as you go into the third quarter. You're hoping at this point that the play calling is just going to be quick, efficient screen passes. Do anything you can to help Carson Wentz because at this point he just – there was the I can't remember what sack it was, but he was just laying there on the ground, and it's it's the one that the internet has circulated everywhere and turned into a meme where he's just laying on the ground for a split second, and you could just tell I'm sure in his head he's just going fucking hell, help somebody help me, man, and it, it's never good to have your quarterback get hit that much, but especially when it's a guy. I mean, look, man, I'm I, I'm once apologist, but. I'm well aware of like the the label that goes along with him, the injury shit. When it's a guy that has had the injury history, I guess you want to call it, that he's had, I mean, Christ almighty, you can't have him get teed off on. So you're hoping for something in the second half to give you a little, okay, let me, let me continue to happy drink here and not not pound the bottle aggressively for the next 30 minutes football. Complete popcorn fart on offense to start the second half offensively for the birds. Then you get Josh Sweat on defense with a strip sack of Dwayne Haskins on third down. And he's a guy that I think could lead the team in sacks this year, Josh Sweat. Uh, Put on a little weight. Derek Barnett was inactive yesterday. He seems to always have kind of lingering issues going on injury-wise. I think Josh Sweat's primed for a big year. Local guy around here, 7'5", 7 guy. 
you know, you, you like to see him making plays early on in the season for the Birds because he's going to play a big part in this defensive front for Jim Schwartz. So the Birds get the ball back, and Wentz throws another pick to open their second drive of the half. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's kind of laying there. He's acting like he's hurt. In other news, fucking grass is green. I don't know why Peterson is not running the ball here. I don't. You know, you're up by two scores. You you know, pound the rock. Get your offensive line going a little bit. It's one of those things, if you run the ball a little bit, get your line moving. You can't run blocking and pass blocking are two different things, obviously, right? When you call a run play, the offensive line, they get to fire off the ball and they get to hit somebody. You know what I mean? Not that there's not contact on pass plays, obviously. But it, it you can get you a little bit of momentum there if you're if you're an offense. Get your offensive line going. Get their motor going a little bit. Let them fire off the fucking ball. Nothing. Nothing. You know, I would have just liked to have seen to try to grind the clock and to try to get something going. It's always pass happy as fuck with Doug Peterson all the time. Washington comes out the next drive. They make it a 17-14. Peyton Barber punches it in. Uh, I'm taking a shot and a cigarette at this point and just praying to God that Doug Peterson can can do something. You know, this offensive line, protect Carson to anything at this point because it the writing's on the wall. The writing's on the wall. You can see it coming a mile away. Went sales one over the head of Zach Ertz, the next drive, which would have been a touchdown. Jonathan Allen takes Wentz down for their fifth sack of the day and that was one you can't take a sack there because now you're out of field goal range if you remember they were right around probably I don't know 25 30 or so yard line Jonathan Allen sacks Carson Wentz you can't take that sack if you're Carson that's one of those and again one of the big knocks on him and as much of a a much of a Wentz guy as I am (coughs) he does hold on the ball for a while and that's one of those instances where he did you cannot take that sack there throw the ball away 53-yard attempt coming up for Jake Elliott. He comes up short. This is a guy that's nailed a 61-yarder before. Look, man, I'm I'm not going to blast Jake Elliott for missing one 53-yard field goal. I'm not. You know what I mean? He's come through for us in the clutch before. Had had Carson done what he should have done there and got rid of the ball, he would have made that field goal with yards to spare. Not pissed at him. You know, and so we make it to – the next drive for Washington, a guy named McGill Jr., who I have no idea who he is, a practice squad guy, he sacks Dwayne Haskins for the Birds' second sack of the day. Avante Maddox with great coverage on Terry McLaurin on third down. And, again, another note that I put here, Peterson's got to settle things down for Carson. Get back to the screen passes, the quick releases. You can't – Wentz can't keep taking these hits. Call little quick three-step drops. Why is he still taking five instead of seven-step drops when they've sacked him five times already? At this point, we're approaching Derek Carr territory. Help the guy out. Boston Scott, at this point, seen going to the back to get an injury looked at and offsides nullifies what would have been Wentz's third pick on a Chase Young pressure. Uh, Deshaun Jackson makes an appearance for his obligatory catch of the game. By this point now, Jack Driscoll's headed back to the locker room and we get Jordan Maylotta, practice squad guy, uh, coming in at right tackle. Fucking hell. So now we're... Now we're down to four. We're up to four offensive linemen that have been injured: Brandon Brooks, Andre Dillard, Lane Johnson, Jack Driscoll. Backups are getting hurt now. <laughs> That's where we're at. That's where we're at. And you still want to see what out of Carson Wentz? More on that later. 
Carson overthrows Greg Ward. Peterson stays on the field on fourth and four on the Washington 45. A blitz by John Bostick. Clean up the middle, untouched, and it's turnover on downs. Carson goes down again. And, you know, <clears throat> the birds are still up 17-14 going into the fourth. We're in the fourth quarter now. Again, you've got that lead going in the fourth. Only three points, but it's there. Dustin Hopkins early on his 38-yarder to tie it at 17. The defense is still carrying this team. The defense is still carrying this team. And if Doug, at this point, I'm going, if Doug Peterson wants to remain pass happy as hell with Boston Scott out, where is Ertz and Goddard? Where are these double tight end sets? Not just to chip the Washington defensive lineman, but that is where this offense runs the most efficiently is with both of these, either one or both of them in the game. Just That's just the bottom line. Aside from, if you look at the skilled players on this team, uh, aside from Jalen Rager, again, who's a rookie, who's played one NFL game to this point, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, there's not a lot going on, man. There's really not. So why not put what you know to be two of your better assets out there? Just an observation. Ryan Kerrigan sacks Carson Wentz. That makes seven. We're up to seven on the on the day. I put down my liver is tapping out at this point. A poorly executed screen to Corey Clement. We're sitting at third and 26. Carson airs it out for Deshaun Jackson. Almost picked by fucking douchebag Ronald Darby. His sorry ass. Have fun with him, Washington. Uh, Cam Johnson with a poor punt. Looked like it might have been deflected, so Washington gets the ball on our 46-yard line. Jesus Christ. Vinnie Curry now goes to the back to get an injury looked at. Brandon Graham goes down. <laughs> Fuck. Nate Jerry uh, comes up with a tackle for a loss. You really, at this point, you can't ask the defense to do much more. At this point, it feels – this feels kind of like a, a, a Chip Kelly game in a way because it's, in that second half, it felt like the defense was on the field for the entire second half. You Like, they're playing their asses off given the circumstance they're playing their ass off like they're eventually gonna get gassed it's just what happens you wear a team down you know and props to Washington they were on the field for the majority of the second half I don't have the time of possession in front of me but I swear to god the defense felt like it was on the field for pretty much the entire second half it was fucking insane uh Dwayne Haskins gets uh whacked by Jalen Mills to bring up fourth and one on the birds four yard line Riverboat Ron opts to go for it. It's a first down on a pitch to Peyton Barber. They follow that up with another Peyton Barber touchdown. First lead of the day for Washington with six minutes, 13 seconds left. Now we're down 24-17. At this point, we've officially blown a 17-0 lead. Officially. And counting. Wentz hits Goddard for a first down. Doug opts to run the ball to Boston Scott. Uh, calls a sideline fade to Deshaun on third and long, incomplete. I don't know why it wasn't Ertz or Goddard there. Of course, it goes for it on a fourth and long from our own 42-yard line, incomplete to Ertz on a crossing route. That was one that Zach Ertz had in his hands and dropped it. Easily could have had it. You can't – if you're going to fight, reports are now that he's arguing with Howie Roseman after practice last week about this contract shit. If you're going to argue and be a distraction with this contract shit and come out with all these quotes of, oh, well, I, I want to be here for the rest of my career, but, you know, I don't know how difficult it is to get a contract done. Catch the fucking ball on fourth down. Catch the ball on fourth down. It's that simple. If not, 
we've got a second tight end behind you on the depth chart in Dallas Goddard, who it, it, personally I like better and is every bit as capable of doing what Zach Ertz does, if not more, in terms of blocking. He's willing to do that dirty work where Ertz is not. If you can't make those plays, don't expect a contract extension. It's that simple. You can fuck all the way off with that. Make the catch on fourth down. Hit him in the hands, and it just went right through him. You got to make that play. At that point, it was 24-17. You know, you never know. <laughs> I'm not going to be, if he makes that play, he would have won the game. I'm not going to be that guy. But at least it, you keep it alive a little bit. It's only one score at that point. At that point. So Washington's ball, again, it's nice to see Fletcher Cox is still up for this game. It'd be nice if he played offensive line, too, and not just defensive line. Sean Bradley comes up with a nice stop. Shout out to Temple U, or Temple, a.k.a. Philly U. The defense is still here. They're still doing the best they can, but Dustin Hopkins is out, makes a 40-yard attempt. Now it's a two-score game, 27-17 Washington. You know, and at this point, you just, you're banging your head against the wall because I personally, at this point, I've got no faith in Peterson, none whatsoever in the O-line. At this point, the only thing is okay. Just let Carson come out of this game alive. That's it. That's it. Because we've seen the way the second half has gone. Just get 11 out of here in one piece, not on suicide watch, and it'll be, you know, okay. Possibly, maybe, not really, but better than if all things were equal and he's gimped as well. So... We're sitting at 3 minutes, 25 seconds left in regulation with two timeouts. Chase Young and Deron Payne with a strip sack. That's their eighth of the day. Ryan Kerrigan recovers. It's Washington's ball. But you get a review once his arm was coming forward. Call on the field stands, though. Unfortunately, even Dean Blandino said it was an incomplete by rule. But at this point, who gives a shit? You know, it, it, it is what it is. 27-17 is the final. Washington over the birds. And, you know, it, it, at this point, you look at this game, and am I the only one that whenever it's a fourth and short situation, it, it, am I the only one that gets PTSD? Because you know Doug Peterson's going for it, right? You just know he is. It doesn't matter where he's at in the field, what the game situation is. It feels like if it's a fourth and you know four, fourth and three or shorter, he's going to go for it, which is great when it works, man. But it, it it's one of those things it's like you have to fucking do it every time. It got it, it it feels to me kind of the same as Elaine Vigneault in, in the challenges in the playoffs for the Flyers. It it you almost expect it. If there's kind of like a wonky goal in the playoffs for the Flyers, especially that series against the Islanders, you just had a feeling, oh Christ, A B's gonna challenge it. And he did. And I, he he didn't win a damn one of them. So now not only does the goal stand but now your team's on the penalty kill as well for the next two minutes. And their power play, AV, is not as bad as yours is, so there's a chance they might fucking double down here. Stop challenging these. It's kind of the same with Doug Peterson. And again, he's made, he's made a living off of him. Won a Super Bowl with being aggressive, and he wrote a book about being aggressive in the whole nine, and that's fine. But for the love of God, it, it, every time, every time, now, again, that one that Ertz dropped, that's on him. That's on him. You got to make that catch if you're Zach Ertz. But you just know at this point that he's going to go for it. So now, again, my thought process at this point was 
long as Dallas loses, I'll be all right. So a couple Facebook comments from some people. Uh, Chris Ellis says, different game if you guys were fully loaded. Good game, my guy. You know, I posted a, a drunken rant on Facebook and, and figured I'd share some of the comments. And, and I, I, I tend to agree maybe if it was, if we were fully loaded, it probably is a different game, maybe a different outcome. But injuries are part of the game, man, it happens. No excuses. At the end of the day, you know, Jack Del Rio is a smart defensive coordinator. You know, he's been in this league for a long time. You know what I mean? He's a successful. He was a good player, and he's been a successful coach. He was the last coach to take the fucking Raiders to the playoffs, for Christ's sake. It, it, you give him an opportunity, he's going to see that advantage. He's going to see the mismatch, and he's going to fucking take advantage of it. And that's that's the way it should be. Uh, you know, bottom line, Jeff Super, uh, current head coach at my uh, alma mater, last team I played for over at Kickatan High School up the road, it's week one. People always overreact to one week in the NFL. 100% right, uh, especially week one, especially week one, because week one always tends to be kind of a mess. You don't know what you're going to get. Most starters don't really play the preseason anymore a whole lot, let alone this COVID situation. So it, it, yesterday was even bound to be more of a fiasco. But, again, it, it's not so much that we lost. It's how we lost, if that makes any sense. John Deal, Philly has the worst injury luck. Week one, Lane Johnson versus Chase Young turned into Chase Young versus insert victim here, which was Jack Driscoll, unfortunately, and then Jordan Milata. Uh, Washington still looks weak on offense, but at least we got to watch a game. Uh, you know, and, and look, man, the injury thing is is legitimate. I just don't want to be the guy <sighs> – Cowboys fans are famous for this shit. Whenever they lose a game, the refs have it out for them. They they fuck them somehow. And and the that was the case last night too against the Rams. Apparently, I went to bed at halftime, so I didn't see it firsthand. But I, I don't want to be a guy that complains about the officiating and shit like that because that's always the case with Cowboys fans. And again, if hey Dallas fan, if if you're don't contradict yourself because you'll sit here in one breath and say, oh, we're America's team. There's a reason we're on all these primetime games and our quarterback and everybody and our running back get all these endorsement deals because we're America's team and we move the meter. At the same time, you don't get to sit here and say, hey, the refs hate us and they have it out for us and they fucked us again. If everything you said is true about the end, you know, that that you move the meter and you're on these primetime games because you get the biggest numbers and because you get talked about the most win or lose, then don't you think if the refs took a side that they would give you the benefit of the doubt because they would want you there. The NFL, in theory, would do better with Dallas in the Super Bowl than, say, fuck, I don't know, the Rams a couple years ago. You know? Bottom line, San Francisco, this past year out of the NFC. Dallas is in the Super Bowl. It gets a big number. You think the NFL like has a fucking conspiracy out for you? No. But I don't want to be that guy. So I'm not going to – I don't want to blame the injuries so much. I don't think it's an excuse. I think it is a reason and there is a difference. But as an Eagles fan, I can't sit here and go injuries, injuries, injuries because then I become the Cowboys fan that complains about the fucking refs when the refs in the NFL and the league office at the end of the day would probably love to see Dallas in the Super Bowl, but they can't get out of their own fucking way. Point blank. couple of numbers. 
the Eagles ever under Doug Peterson. And this speaks to the importance of 65 on the right side of that offensive line. Under Doug Peterson, with Lane Johnson, the Birds are 36 and 17. Without Lane Johnson, 6 and 12. That's all you need to know. One could make the argument, aside from Wentz himself, Lane Johnson's one of the most important players on this team. Again, even knowing all the other injuries we had along this offensive line when those 1130 inactives came out yesterday and I saw Lane Johnson's name up there, you know, it was it was it was where to booze time. Where's the shot? Where's the shot glass? Where are we at? Because I'm gonna need it. Now's where we start the pregame booze ritual. Because Lane Johnson's out, it's gonna be a long day. Another positive again, Dallas lost. You know, which makes now this offensive line that went up against Washington and gave up eight sacks and is now on pace to get Carson Wentz murdered on the field and to just obliterate the sack record of Derek Carr, set being sacked 72 times in the 2002 season. We're officially on pace to break that by like 1,596 at this point. So that offensive line is now going to be tasked with blocking probably the best defensive tackle of all time, let alone currently in the NFL and fucking Aaron Donald next week. Christ. So it doesn't get any easier. Not at all. Now, if Lane Johnson's good to go again, that'll help. But fuck. So there we go. The matchup doesn't get any easier next week. You know, and... I, I just want to say this because before I do, let me let me replenish the pipes. I want to take a sip of my mud water. So uh, in regards to yesterday's game against Washington, there is so much hate and so much vitriol directed at Carson Wentz. Now I get it. He missed some throws. He overthrew some dudes. I will, I will grant you all of that, internet guy, okay? Because 90% of the fan base, if not more, is blaming Carson Wentz for this loss yesterday. And I don't know what fucking game they were watching. What do you expect? Now, again, if you're going to blame him for the picks, I'll give you that. I will give you that. But did you notice the picks didn't really come until he felt like he was playing for his fucking life? Then, yes, he started forcing shit. Again, that out route to Jalen Rager. You know, the one intended for Deshaun Jackson. Again, you still have to see and recognize those guys. Fabian Moreau for Washington. And you have to you have to know they're there. If you're Carson, you do. I'm not trying to absolve him of the picks. But notice they did not come until he felt like he was playing for his fucking life back there. By the, by the time he threw his first interception, I want to say he'd been sacked five times. Eight times in total yesterday. Four starting offensive linemen, or four offensive linemen, because, again, Nate Herbig, who started, or Jack Driscoll, fourth-round rookie, he wasn't a starter. So four, Brandon Brooks, Andre Dillard, Lane Johnson, Jack Driscoll, all go down. You are down to 
Jordan Melata, backups to the backups on the offensive line. And you expect Carson to fucking go out there and deal? Show me a quarterback that has four offensive linemen go down and is going to go out there and light the league up. Show me. I will wait. If you can prove it to me at Grease Pole Podcast on Instagram, I will bring you on this damn podcast myself, and you can give me the example. Please, I'll wait. As good as Patrick Mahomes is, he's got a good offensive line in front of him. You can't expect a guy who got sacked eight times to go out and just go apeshit. He did the best he could in the first quarter or first half. In the first half, he looked good while still being under pressure and being knocked down by Chase Young and Ryan Kerrigan and John Bostick and all those guys. He was still making throws, and he still had this team up 17-0 in a three-score lead. Still. And yes, it fell apart. But did it fall apart solely because Carson Wentz? No. It fell apart because who the fuck is blocking for him? Look at the best quarterbacks in this league. The Super Bowl year, the reason why Carson Wentz had an MVP season and then Nick Foles stepped in seamlessly and 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 looked the way he did when he looked good because it wasn't always shiny and glossy as we remember that Super Bowl run. Remember the Eagle the, the Raiders game on Monday Night Football Christmas night? Disaster. But you look at any any Russ Wilson Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. They've got good offensive lines. You put Pat Mahomes behind that abortion of protection yesterday. You think he comes out and throws for 280 and four touchdowns? If so, you're a dumbass, and you need to go piss in a couple immediately because it's not going to happen. I know everybody wants to hate on Carson because it's popular, because he's the meme guy, and it's fun to poke fun at the quarterback, and when everything goes wrong, it is easy to blame the quarterback. You can't blame Carson yesterday. Give him heat for the picks. I'm with you. But even then, that didn't come until he felt like he was – basically playing for his life. And this is a guy that has had a ton of injuries. And he probably knows in the back of his head, okay, they just spent a high draft pick, second round, 53rd overall, on fucking Jalen Hurts. So I've got to stay healthy. I cannot get fucking hurt. No pun intended. So he's got that in the back of his mind. More than likely, I don't know, I'm not in his head. But he's trying to... He's, he's trying to do he's trying to basically shut everybody up at least I would assume they're sitting here and going oh he can't stay healthy because Jadavian Clowney bounced his head off turf like a basketball and that was his fault huh look man it is not solely you can't pin if you want to give him a fraction of the blame yes absolutely if you want to blame which should do Howie Roseman for not properly stocking the offensive line there should be more depth here especially when you have a quarterback that has had the quote-unquote injury history of Carson Wentz. Draft heavy offensive linemen. Instead of giving him a, a damn competition as a backup quarterback, maybe draft somebody else to keep his ass upright and off the dirt. Maybe do that. But I don't want to hear Carson Wentz is the reason why this team lost yesterday. 
Carson Wentz didn't fucking sack himself eight times. Point blank. So before I get out of here, I just want to say one more thing. I I I got my little notes section. I was taking notes during the games and things of that nature. So I would, you know, remember exactly what I was thinking at what points in the game. And <clears throat> I've got at the bottom here, texting during games rant. I don't know what everybody's etiquette is or what everybody's view is. And I'm sure, you know, if you're like me, you're in multiple fantasy football leagues, just group chats, things of that nature. I'm in a group chat with a bunch of Philly fans, and there's about three separate group chats that can go ape shit at any time. You know, and this applied to during the Flyers a couple weeks ago before they got bounced by the Islanders. For the love of God, do not expect me to respond to your fucking text message between the hours of 1 to 4 if there's a 1 o'clock kickoff. If it's a 4 o'clock kickoff, do not expect me to respond to your fucking text message between the hours of 4 and 7. If it's a 425 kickoff, do not expect me to respond to your fucking text message between the hours of 425 and 730 to 8 o'clock. If it's an 820 primetime game, do not expect me to respond to your fucking text message between the hours of 820, 830 p.m. and 11 o'clock p.m. I will get to you maybe during halftime if I'm in a mood, if everything's going well. If not, you can piss up a rope. I don't care who scored for your fantasy team. I don't give a shit. I really don't. I really don't care. I am locked in to my team, my actual team. I'm not even looking at my own fantasy team constantly during the game. I might glance at it during a commercial. I might look at it during halftime or whatever. But for those three hours, nothing else matters to me but what the birds are doing. I will update the Instagram page. Again, Cheap Pop, at Greasepole Podcast, during halftime with my thoughts, things of that nature. Because, hey, content. If you do a podcast, you got to put something out there because that's the way. But I'm never going to be one of these people that sends out in the middle of a game that is on my phone constantly sending out 9,000 Instagram updates and Twitter updates and things like that. I'm locked into the game. And if that's what you want, if your guy that's on his phone constantly or gal that's on her phone constantly on Instagram or Twitter during the game, I'm probably not going to do enough in that way to separate myself from everybody else that does. But I still remember a time where you could watch football without somebody beeping your phone every damn 30 seconds. So for those three hours, don't expect to hear shit from me unless you're dying. And even if then, even if you're dying – you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of me. Get a hold of my wife on Facebook. I don't know what to tell you. And then she'll tell me. Maybe. And if not, good riddance. I'll pour one out for you. You know, it just, it drives me nuts. The ding, ding, and then you put it on vibrate and you hear it on the bzzz. I hate it. I fucking hate it. So then I just started saying, to my, why not just shut it off? But again, I'm trying to do the notes section and, you know, jot down things so I can do this and ramble for 43 minutes with coffee and cigarette breath into a microphone while I'm petting one of Justin's cats that just jumped up next to me. And now I'm going to go home and make my three cats jealous because I've been cheating on them with another animal. So that's always fun. But uh, what are your thoughts? Hit me up on Instagram at Greasepole Podcast. Uh, follow the show. Uh, getting close to 300 followers is baby steps compared to some of the other people out there. But again, I'm not the guy that sends out fucking 12 things during one quarter of football. I'm just not. I'm watching the game, and you should be too if you're a fan. That's the way I look at it. You know, if you want to pull your thing out during halftime, pull your phone out or pull your thing out too, whatever whatever you're into. 
you know, I'll give you, hey, here's what I think of the first half. Here's what I think for the second half. I did that yesterday. That's what I'll give you. And then after the game. But, hey, man, you know, let's, let's all just watch a game every now and then. You know, it's okay. It's okay to put your phone down. Just do so after you've listened to episode 20 of the Grease Paul podcast, which is what you've been doing. Hopefully, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, all episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, I, I feel like I have more to say, but I feel like I've said enough. I don't really know. I'm still kind of reeling from what the hell happened yesterday. Just the bipolar express, the tale of two halves. Again, every experience, every, every Sunday with this team feels like it's just like, just this roller coaster of emotion and you, you're, you're up and down. And, and, you know, I went from 30 minutes, you know, within minutes yesterday of going, okay, man, we look damn good. Fuck. Yeah. To holy shit. We are a disaster. We're going to be picking in the top five next year, (laughs) you know, and that's just the overreaction, man. That's the way it is. You know, when you're in the moment, you know, everything feels worse. And that's not, not just with the birds or with sports. That's with anything. When you're in it, it feels worse, man. Everything is temporary. You know, at least I hope in, in terms of this offensive line situation, I really hope it's temporary because Aaron Donald, you know, coming to Philly, Six days from today, sounds like it's going to be a fucking problem if Lane Johnson isn't good to go. Justin's cat left the room, so that's my cue to get the hell out of here. Plus, I really want a cigarette because now I'm re-pissed off again from reliving all this bullshit from yesterday. So, you know, to all my people that are Washington fans, hats off to you. I tip my caps to you. You know, cheers. It's all love and respect. You guys got the dub yesterday, but we will see you again. It's a division game. So, you know. We'll see you again. And I will see you again next time for the next episode of the Grease Pole Podcast. I am not sure exactly what day it'll be yet. I don't know if I'm going to do something before the Rams game or not. I will figure it out. But if not, definitely next Monday to uh, hopefully not complain about Aaron Donald murdering a guy on the field next week and that guy being our quarterback. So let's pray for the life of Carson Wentz on our quarterback and pray that Lane Johnson can stay off the juice or get on it if that's what helps him fucking get out there next Sunday. We're going to need him either way. I will see you next time. Cheers, and as always, win or lose, fucking go, Birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Philly.